If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. The Michigan Man Podcast, Episode 79. This is the Michigan Man Podcast on GBMW Go Blue Michigan Wolverine for Wolverine fans from coast to coast. Go Blue and welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. I think the best thing we can say about Saturday's game with Eastern Michigan is that a win is a win is a win. It was a pretty unimpressive 28-point victory, but we'll take it. And we're off to a 3-0 start with a big game Saturday. San Diego State rolls in. That's right, Coach Hoke's old team. They are 3-0 after a very impressive win against Washington State on Saturday. This is a team with a very balanced offense, probably the most balanced offense that we've seen so far this year. They're averaging just over 400 yards a game, evenly split between the passing and the running game. So a big test for our defense. Coming up on today's show, Jeff Contizano from the Wolverine blog is on deck. He'll join us for a final look back at the Eastern Michigan game on Michigan Rewind. Then on the visitor segment, Edward Lewis from Aztec Sports Report will join us and we'll wrap it up on Michigan game day. Jeff Contizano will rejoin us and we'll get his take on this Saturday's game with the Aztecs. First, a look at Saturday's game analysis, courtesy of the Wolverine. What worked and what didn't? What worked? Second half defense. Eastern Michigan ran only 17 plays in the second half for 51 yards, an average of three yards per play, after racking up 185 yards in the first half. The Eagles did not complete a second-half pass, attempting only one. The read option. Denard Robinson ripped off another big run, this one 52 yards, to spur U of M's first touchdown drive, a 97-yard march that gave the Wolverines a 7-3 lead. Junior running back Vincent Smith picked up a number of yards on the drive, including a 38-yard gallop as part of his 118-yard day. Robinson in the running game. The offense started to resemble last year's, with Robinson carrying 26 times for 198 yards in averaging 7.6 yards per carry. 22 of his carries came after the first quarter when the Wolverines finally started to pull away. What didn't work? first quarter run defense. Eastern Michigan rushed for 122 yards in the first quarter alone, averaging 6.1 yards per carry. The Eagles controlled the game with running back Javante Green, who rushed for 64 yards in the quarter. They threw only two first quarter passes. Passing offense. Junior quarterback Denard Robinson didn't complete a pass in the first quarter on three attempts and had one picked off to end a drive. Missed reads and poor throws led to a 7 of 18 day, though he did throw for two touchdowns. And finally, what didn't work, kickoff returns. Again, 
Michigan hasn't won the field position battle this year, in part because the Wolverines can't generate anything in the kick return game. Junior Vincent Smith managed 31 yards on two returns. So that's a look at the game analysis, courtesy of the Wolverine. Before we get to Michigan Rewind, a quick look at the numbers from Saturday's 31-3 victory over the Eagles. Total first downs for the Wolverines, 24, Eastern, 12. Total rushing yards, 382 for Michigan, 220 for Eastern. Total offensive plays, the Wolverines racked off 68, Eastern, 52. Third down conversions, Michigan was 9 of 14, and Eastern, 4 of 12. As far as individual stats went, in the rushing game, as we all know by now, Denard Robinson had 26 carries, too many for 202 yards. Actually, that was adjusted for 198 yards. Great game from Vincent Smith, 9 carries, 118 yards. Fitz Toussaint had some nice runs, 11 carries, 48 yards. Devin Gardner got some action, 1 carry, 7 yards. Freshman Thomas Rawls, 2 carries, 4 yards. And Michael Shaw, 1 carry for 3 yards. Passing a very anemic performance, to say the best, from Denard. 7 of 18 for 95 yards. Two touchdowns, though. Receiving numbers, Jeremy Gallon, three catches. Coger, two. Dilio one. And Jackson, one. So that's a quick look at the numbers from Saturday's victory over Eastern Michigan. Coming up next on Michigan Rewind, a final look back at the Eastern Michigan win with Jeff Contezano from the Wolverine blog here on the Michigan Man podcast on GBMW Go Blue, Michigan Wolverine. Joining us on Michigan Rewind today is Jeff Contizano from the Wolverine blog. Jeff, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me again, Mike. Well, Jeff, it was a 31-3 win over Eastern on Saturday in a game that still left us probably with more questions than answers when it comes to this team's identity. Do you agree with that? Yeah, and I think there's good reason that happened. I mean, in Week 2, Michigan had a huge game against Notre Dame, so I was expecting a little bit of a letdown. Um, obviously, the first quarter... Michigan really struggled, but after they made some adjustments and got Denard moving a little bit, I think they really took off. So that was good to see them do that. Well, speaking of adjustments, it looked like uh, Coach Borges abandoned the pro-style offense in the second half and stuck, uh, you know, with the option read. Denard looked, as usual, really comfortable. Basically, he took over the game with his feet. Is it just Denard having trouble transitioning to the pro-style, or do you think it's the entire offense, you know, going back and forth between a read option and the the new pro-style offense? I definitely think it's a little bit of both. You know, the offensive line, they were all recruited to play in a spread. They're doing pretty well. They've been struggling to really move the chains in the run game, so I can see why he prefers, Coach Ward just prefers to put them in the spread. The receivers, you know, they've been really up and down. Some games, like against Notre Dame, they have absolutely fantastic performances. But on Saturday, I saw, you know, some very poorly run routes. They were dropping balls. They were missing balls. And, I mean, some of it was on Denard, too, but... It was just kind of a sloppy performance altogether. Well, Jeff, sticking with the uh, the running game for just a moment, at this point, how concerned should we be that we still haven't really determined a go-to guy? And it's I know it's been tough so far because it seems like the offense really hasn't had uh, that much time on the field, but it, it appears that Vincent Smith, of all of our stable of r- running backs, a guy who we probably see as a uh, situational player, might be stepping up as our most solid back right now. I think that's exactly, you're exactly right. I think that's what the coaches are seeing too, because in fall camp, they kind of designated him as, oh, he's the third down back, and they wanted, 
you know, Michael Shaw or Fifty Saint to be the guy, but nobody has really proven that they want the, you know, that number one spot. I mean, Fifty Saint was pretty solid in week one, and then he was hurt in in Notre Dame, so he hasn't really had a chance. And Michael Shaw has only gotten a few carries. So at this point, you know, I think they're just going to continue to feed the hot hand. And right now, it looks like it's Vince Smith. Do you expect we're going to see possibly uh, one of the freshmen? We saw Thomas Rawls, just a, a cameo appearance on Saturday, but do you expect to see more of him, a big power running back that really better suits uh, what uh, Coach Borges wants to do? I definitely think once we get into Big Ten play, you might see him a little more because, you know, when the weather gets bad, they're going to want to run the ball. And with Stephen Hopkins' fumbling problems, I'm not sure if the coaches, you know, really trust him to be out there. So at this point, Rawls is our biggest big back that we have out there. Well, turning to the passing game, Jeff, for uh, just a moment, uh, Denard struggled, as we saw with the passing game Saturday. Are you surprised he's not getting more guys involved on a more consistent basis? I mean, Roundtree's almost disappeared. Uh, Junior Hemingway doesn't seem, he doesn't seem to be going Junior's way that much. Is that a product, again, of going back and forth between the pro-style offense and his footwork and then uh, being in the option read at times? Um, Yeah, and I'm still surprised that, you know, we've had them disappear so much because, I mean, if you watch Junior Hemingway play, he is an amazingly talented player. Just from the plays he made in the Notre Dame game. And Roy Roundtree was excellent last year, and that's what I really don't understand. I mean, Roy Roundtree had 70 catches last year, and he's all but disappeared. Now, some of that, Denard has been missing open players, and I'm not sure what, if it's, like you said, the confusion in the offense or what, but, He's had guys open, but other times, you know, the balls just bounce off their hands, and they don't seem to be playing all, as well as they should. No, after three games, I think one thing we can say is there just doesn't seem to be a sink in either the running game or the passing game yet. No, not at all. I hate to say it, but I definitely think that might be a product of the offense. I mean, last year's offense was a very simple offense. That's why you still see them running a lot of it, because the routes are pretty simple, and everything is you know fairly elementary for the receivers, and... I think switching back between different offenses is difficult for them, which is not good for Michigan because they really need to work on the passing game. Jeff, moving over to uh, the defense, uh, Eastern gave the D a lot of different looks early, and they did have some success moving the ball, especially getting outside of contain with those jet sweeps. And they did what we've seen the first two opponents do, which is attack the front. Uh, The D seemed, though, to adjust as the game went along. Your thoughts on that defensive performance Saturday? Yeah, and you hit the nail right on the head. Um, Michigan's weakness on in the running game is definitely outside. You saw Notre Dame stretch it to the outside numerous times and get big games, and Eastern did the same thing with jet sweeps and even a couple quarterback draws. So, I mean, Michigan's weakness is on the edge. To be honest, they're not very strong up front either, but I do have to credit the coach, the defensive coaching staff because they made some solid adjustments, and the players also, after the first quarter, they really shut Eastern down. So kudos to them for that. Well, they did. You know, I was uh, watching in particular Mike Martin on Saturday, and he's being double-teamed, as you might expect. But are you surprised that we haven't heard his name more often and Ryan Van Bergen up front, too? Yeah, and that's certainly a product of where they're playing. I mean, at the beginning of the year, we thought Ryan Van Bergen would be playing outside at defensive end where he would be much stronger. But, you know, inside he's kind of disappeared because he's also taking on double teams and he's, you know, more of a role player. He's not able to get to the quarterback. So, But on the defensive line, we had we actually had Craig Rowe have a terrific game. He hadn't registered a stat in the first two games, but last week he had five tackles in the stack. And I saw Big Will Campbell come in, and he actually made a couple of plays too. So it looks like he's coming along, which is a huge plus for the defense. So other than those guys, anyone in particular on the D impress you on Saturday? Actually, I was 
I was watching some of the younger guys, and I'm I'm impressed with Frank Clark, uh, the big freshman. He's a big guy. He looks yeah, like yeah. one of the old Michigan defenders. There was a there was a, a jet sweep play to the outside, and he pushes off into the lineman out of the way and tackled the running back. He made a nice play. And I also noticed Raymond Taylor was playing too. I was kind of surprised, you know, given that we had a couple of solid cornerbacks, and we heard good things about Blake Connors, but Taylor was actually playing a lot more than Connors was. Well, Jeff, after three games, is this team about where you thought they would be as far as uh, progress goes in the new system on both sides of the ball? If you ask me after Notre Dame, I would say yes. I was a little concerned with everything after this game, especially the defense. I mean, the defense is really struggling in first. Actually, both sides of the ball are struggling in the first quarters of games. I'm not sure why that is. Luckily, the coaching staff has made terrific adjustments, especially at halftime. I mean, we've seen... The defense and offense make a lot of great changes. As far as uh, the defense, I have to say I'm impressed by the turnovers. I mean, last year we, we didn't get any turnovers, and this year we're already on track. To, I, didn't, I don't remember the exact number, but they're doing terrific in that department. So I have to give credit to the coaching staff and the players for getting that done. Thanks to Jeff Contizano from the Wolverine blog for being our guest on Michigan Rewind. Jeff will be back later on the show during our Michigan Game Day segment. Coming up next, we'll hear from the visitors. Edward Lewis from Aztec Sports Report is on deck here on the Michigan Man podcast on GBMW Go Blue Michigan Wolverine. Our guest on the visitor segment today is Edward Lewis from AztecSportsReport.com. Edward, thanks for being our guest. Thanks a lot for having me. I appreciate it. A big win for the Aztecs, uh, who ran their record to 3-0 and for the first time in 30 years with a very impressive 42-24 to victory over Washington State. Quarterback Ryan Lindley described the victory as his best at San Diego State. So, Edward, your overview on that big win Saturday night. Well, you know, it's funny. That sounds like hyperbole, you know, when Ryan Lee says that. I mean, he's been here for four years. He's beat a ranked Air Force team. He won a poinsettia bowl for the first time, you know, since half a century here at San Diego State. And uh, But we, we walked down through the through the alleyways at Qualcomm Stadium on Saturday, and I turned to my buddy, you know, who's a rider with me, and I said, look, this might be the biggest win I've seen San Diego State have in my five years of covering this team. And then Ryan Lee backed it up and said the exact same thing. I mean, they hadn't beaten a Pac-12 team since 1995, and they hadn't beaten a BCS conference team since 1999. And then they were down by, by 10, 24 to 14, real early in the third quarter. I mean, things just looked real ugly. And for them to pull out the win, the win in the manner that they did was just incredible and remarkable. And, and yeah, I mean, I, I think it's hard to argue with Ryan when he says this is the greatest win I've ever had here. Big win, too, for uh, Coach Long in his first year at the helm there at San Diego State. It really has to be big for the psyche of the team. Rocky... Is so unique in all this because on Tuesday we badgered him about you guys never beat a BCS team and you guys never beat a Pac-12 team. He said, look, we don't care if they're from the Pac-12, the Big Ten, the ACC, the SEC. He said, we're all in Division One. We don't care. And, and I think the players kind of took that mentality. Uh, I think in years past, even maybe under Hoke a little bit, uh, they would have flinched as Hoke called it and Rocky called it last night, fainted. Uh, and they didn't. They realized that, hey, look, we're just as good as the Pac-12. We belong there. We belong in the same field. We're at home. We're in front of 57,000 people. Let's go and win this game. Uh, and I think Rocky's mentality and his, his psyche really helped the Aztecs kind of get over that hump and 
come back from 10 and win by 20. Well, Edward, let's talk a bit about the uh, the Aztec offense, which is keyed by uh, quarterback Ryan Lindley, very highly regarded quarterback, and also Ronnie Hillman, who had a huge game Saturday night. Tell us a little bit about those two and other key contributors on the Aztec offense. Ryan Lindley is kind of a weird thing because uh, he's uh, been the number one rated senior quarterback as far as NFL draft goes. People have called him a first-rounder. He holds almost every single Aztec passing record, but he has games where his arm just goes bipolar. I mean, yesterday he missed, I mean, two, three, four throws, missed a touchdown, threw an interception. I mean, he was just at times pretty bad. I mean, the message boards over here were actually killing him at the time. Uh, but he gets it done when it matters. I mean, when they were down by 10, he, you know, he handed the ball off to Hillman, obviously, but he still made the throws, still threw two touchdowns to Gavin Escobar, and still kept his poise. I mean, I think that's the biggest thing about him. He's, he's a fifth-year senior now, and he's, He's got all this experience under his belt. I don't think any situation is too big for him. I mean, he's been to Notre Dame. Uh, he's been all over the world. He's been to Poinsettia Bowl. I mean, he's been to Missouri. He, he knows the situation. Now, Ronnie Hillman, on the other hand, is a Heisman Trophy, once-in-a-generation kind of player here. I mean, that sounds, again, like hyperbole, but the guy is absolutely sick. And I think the, the world and the nation is going to get a huge view of that this weekend against Michigan. I mean, San Diego State may not win, but he, he's going to get some serious recognition. He is very, very good, uh, and you couldn't tackle him in a phone booth, in a hallway, anywhere. I mean, he, he rushed for six yards of carry, and it's a legitimate six yards of carry. Well, Edward, the offense we're going to see Saturday, is it pretty much the same uh, you know, pro-style offense that Coach Borges installed there at San Diego State? Or has Coach Long put his, uh, his own touch on the offense? Well, Andy Ludwig is a new offensive coordinator, and he brings his stuff from Cal. Uh, and it's a little similar to, to Al Borges, but there are a lot of – it's almost like an old Mike Shanahan Denver Broncos pro style, uh, more so than is like a 49ers pro style like Borges used to run here. Uh, they, they run a lot of waggle. Uh, that little play-action waggle is, it was his favorite play yesterday, and it was killing Washington State, especially when you have Ronnie Hill and can break off six yards on, on the when he actually does hand it off. So, I mean, it, it's a lot of, like, misdirections, a lot of counters, a lot of play actions. Uh, I mean, at its core, though, it's, it's still a pro-style offense. But, yeah, I mean, it's pretty cool. I think if you looked at Denver Broncos' old offenses with Atlantis Gary and Clinton Portis and stuff, I think you'd be surprised at how similar the Aztecs are to the teams. Well, Edward, on the uh, the defensive side for the Aztecs, they were really tough in the second half against the Cougars, but had struggled in the first two games. So your take on the D so far? I mean, that's kind of the only worry I would have with this team if I'm an Aztec fan. And everybody got kind of overlooked it because they did force so many turnovers. I mean, they did have two interceptions. They did force three fumbles. They only recovered two. They did have six sacks. But at the end of the day, they gave up more than 400 yards for the second straight week, and, you know, to a Washington State and an Army team who, quite frankly, aren't Michigan, you know. Uh, so that's kind of the big thing with them. They seem to be really bend, don't break this year, really uh, live by the sword, die by the sword kind of thing this year. Uh, they're going to blitz you to death. And if they get to you, that's great. And if they don't, they're going to give up a touchdown. They give two 80-yard touchdowns uh, to Marcus Wilson uh, on Saturday. And uh, they look pretty bad doing it. Um, but, again, I mean, it's a risk-reward thing. If you can catch them kind of off guard on a blitz or something or on a screen, you're going to burn them. And if you don't, they're going to burn you. So it's an exciting defense, I guess, at the most. But you'd like it to be a little more tight if you're an Aztec fan. Uh, I think Aztec fans are happy because they're 3-0. and But, I mean, as a journalist, as an analysis, it, I they'd be much farther along right now. Uh, and I know it's being critical. I know it's being harsh. I know they're 3-0, and I know they forced, you know, five, six turnovers these last two weeks and ten forced fumbles in the last two weeks. But, I mean, you can't just give up 400 yards of offense and 24 points to Army and, and Washington State and 
kind of be content. I, I said this last night when I was doing my post-game analysis. Is you cannot rely on Ronnie Hillman to get you back in games. I mean, they gave 24 points in, in what, 32 minutes uh, mm-hmm. on Saturday. And now they, they locked down because, in my opinion, Hillman gave them some momentum and the uh, lobble scale started going off. But, yeah, I mean, I, I, as an analysis and a journalist, would love to see that be a little farther along right now, and I don't see it right now. Well, I think a lot of teams could say uh, the same thing about now. Michigan could say about the same thing. Uh, uh, happy to be 3-0, and but all uh, the, of the warts on defense are there for everyone to see. Before we talk about the uh, the big game Saturday, Edward, let's talk about Coach Hoke, who, you know, as, as you know and we know, uh, was named head coach at Michigan in January. In most circles, it was thought that he was doing an outstanding job at the Aztec program in his tenure there. What reaction was there from the alumni and the fan base when he left for Michigan? Were they surprised? Well, I think this is telling because their reaction was pissed, uh, for lack of a better word. (laughs) And I think that's telling to how good of a coach he was. You know, Uh, Generally, when coaches leave San Diego State, it's because they're fired and they're awful. Uh, And and fans rejoice, they clap and cheer. When Hoke left, it was just Hoke bashing. I can't believe you did this to us, blah, blah, blah. And... And I think that's telling to how great of a coach he was. I mean, that man was outstanding. He was great in every aspect of everything you would want as a head coach. He never, ever, ever gave anything to the media that, you know, was, was other than a cliche or a robot. And as a, as a media member, that made you a little bit upset. But as a fan, you cannot help but love that because his players started taking that same mode. Like, forget the media, forget the outside world. We're a team here and we're a pack here. And uh, I, 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 hats off to him, and the fan base loved him. Uh, they they weren't very happy with how they burned the or how he burned the Aztecs. Uh, supposedly, the rumor is he just said goodbye over a text message and didn't tell them anywhere else. So uh, and it had everybody over here pretty PO'd. But I think at the end of the day, they were more mad that he was leaving than how he left. Most of the Aztec fan base had to know uh, his heart was in Michigan. He had been here as an assistant. It maybe wasn't as much of a surprise because it was Michigan making the offer. Oh, yeah. I mean, he made no secret about it. Maybe to the casual fan, they were like, wow, this is stunning. But to the media, I mean, everybody knew in the media, if that man got offered from Michigan, he was going to take it. And keep in mind, Minnesota, now this is unconfirmed and this is all rumors, but Minnesota allegedly offered him a job right after the Aztecs won the Poinsettia Bowl. And he supposedly turned it down, maybe because he knew that Rich Rodriguez was get, was on his way out of Michigan. Uh, and he made no secret about it. He told the local paper down here and uh, you know, he never really said, you know, Michigan's my team and I want to be a Michigan guy. But, you know, he, he just had a smile about it when you asked him the question. He, it, it, you could just tell it was coming, and if it did come, he was gone. Uh, so, I mean, nobody in, you'll never find a media member kill him out here. You'll see, you'll see the fans and stuff kill him, but everybody that was in the know knew that if Michigan was coming, he was, he was leaving. Well, Edward, let's talk about the big game coming up Saturday in Ann Arbor. Uh, as we mentioned earlier, the Aztecs off to a, really a, their first 3-0 and start in 30 years. Phenomenal start. And they're facing, of course, their former head coach in Brady Hoke in his first year at Michigan. How big is this game for Coach Rocky Long, the Aztecs, and their fan base? I mean, this and this is going to sound stupid, but I don't think it's a big game at all. I mean, when you think about it on paper. I mean, they're 3-0. and uh, And let's face it, I mean, the Aztecs are going to have a hard time going 12-0 and this season. And really, I mean, if the Aztecs are 11-1, 10-2, they're not going to end up in any bigger bowl game than the Las Vegas Bowl or the Poinsettia Bowl. So on paper, I mean, this game really doesn't mean a whole lot to SDSU. They go 3-1, and one, they get a bye week, they play TCU, they play Air Force, then they get their, their Mount West Conference schedule, it'll be 6-2, and two, whatever. I mean, at the end of the game, it's not going to matter whether they want to lose. Now, with that being said, from a fan base perspective, from a player's perspective, from a coach's perspective, 
this might be the biggest game of the year. I mean, with the way Brady supposedly left with his text message to players, uh, with the way the fan base was so mad at the way he left, uh, with the way that none of the players want to talk about it, uh, Ryan Lindley was asked about it at the end of the uh, press conference on last night, and he slams the table and he said, I'm happy we won this game, and he literally walked up and left. Uh, so, I mean, none of the players want to talk about it. You could tell it's just all in their mind. You know, I don't know. I, I, like I said, on paper, it's not a big game to me, but I know it means probably more than a, a poinsettia bowl would to these players and this coaching staff. Well, Edward, who are the uh, key players for the Aztecs on offense at Wolverine fans who really aren't familiar with many Mountain West teams? Who can we watch for on offense other than Lindley and Hillman, who I think we all know about? I'll give you Colin Lockett. Uh, he's, he's a converted defensive back. Six months ago, uh, he was a corner, and then they lost Dominique Sandifer and Jay Waddell, ended up losing his L. Ruffin to academic issues, um, and, and then they were like, well, we've got to have you at receiver. And he moved over to receiver, and he honestly making people forget Vincent Brown and DeMarco Stanton. Uh, his deep ball game is, is on point, and that's what Ryan Lindley does the best. He throws a great deep ball. And since Colin Lockett can run, you know, 4-5, 4-4-40, he burns a lot of corners, and he gets open. Problem is, he's a, he's a converted cornerback, so he drops a few balls in the game. But he, he's going he's gonna to burn a lot of defenses this year. Uh, I don't know if he'll burn Michigan's, but he's got to keep your eye on. And then Gaston Escobar, he's 6'8", he's a tight end. In the summer, he was Lindley's favorite target. In these last three weeks, obviously he threw two touchdowns to him yesterday, but in these last three weeks, him and Lindley's connection haven't been on as well, but I could see him going off again too. So there's two guys for you. Over on the D side, what kind of a defense are we going to be looking at, and who has to come up big for San Diego State Saturday? Well, they want a 3-3-5. It's, uh, it's a weird defense. I mean, uh, it's, it's kind of an Eva defense. Send three, four, five, six, seven, eight guys every game. I'll tell you this. We play, they played the spread yesterday, and uh, – and they would come out in four wide receiver sets, and Rocky stayed in his base 3-3-5 and still blitzed six people when, when Washington State was in the spread with four wide receivers. Uh, so, I mean, he, he's going to come at you no matter what. Uh, you're going to see an aggressive defense that's probably going to blitz about 85% of the time. Uh, and, yeah, the, the guy to keep your eye on is Miles Burst. People have compared him to Clay Matthews. He, he's, he's a sack machine. He's a tackle machine. He hasn't really found his way this season, so they're kind of looking to break him out soon. Uh, but, yeah, him and Jerome Long are kind of your guys to keep your eye on there. Well, we all know this is an emotional game for the Aztecs, but with the uh, with the great start that they're off to, uh, what do you see as the keys to victory on Saturday, first from an offensive perspective? Well, an offensive perspective, I think it's establishing Ronnie Hillman. Uh, last night, Ronnie couldn't really get going. I think he only had 25 yards on the first uh, quarter and a half, and the Aztecs' offense looked pretty miserable without him. Uh, he was There weren't very many holes. You could tell Washington State was stacking the box with nine guys, and when he wasn't going, the play action wasn't working. Ryan Lindley was getting stuck because he was having a bipolar arm that day, and it just kind of became a mess. And then once he started breaking loose, the offense broke loose and ended up putting up 42 points. So the key to offense, I mean, is, is clearly going to be getting Ron Hillman going. Uh, now on defense, I mean, I don't think there's any other way to say it, but you just have to stop Denard Robinson. Um, I watched that Notre Dame, Notre Dame game a couple weeks ago, and he was really <laughs> the only reason they won that game. I mean, that guy – he, has, he makes some plays where you're like, what did he just do? And then he makes some plays like, wow, that was Heisman Trophy like. So, you know, I mean, that's that's going to be basically what it narrows down to. You stop Denard Robinson and keep Ronnie Hillman going. Well, as a journalist and someone who uh, analyzes and watches a lot of college football, give me your gut feel for Saturday. My guess is that, I mean, the Aztecs have been so emotional these last three weeks. Uh, they went to Army, which was in New York. And if you know San Diego to New York, that is a miserable flight. Yeah. Uh, and then they did it on the day before 9-11 and one on a fourth quarter field goal. 
And then yesterday they beat a Pac-12 team for the first time in 16 years, which they called the greatest win they've ever had. And now they've got to go to Michigan, which is another change of two time zones, another long flight, uh, and a rowdy crowd. I just, around right now, I just think it's too much. It's too overwhelming. And I say Michigan squeaks out a victory right now. Well, I think it's going to be an emotional game from a San Diego State perspective. And I can tell you from folks back here, uh, those of us who uh, who cover Michigan, San Diego State's such a highly regarded team. I mean, they're not sneaking up on anyone. We all know this is a very, very good team. Coach Long does an outstanding job. We're thinking this is going to be a tight ball game Saturday, and it should be exciting for both fan bases. Yeah, definitely. I think you're right on with that. I think it's definitely a tight ball game. Our guest on the show today has been Edward Lewis from AztecSportsReport.com. Edward, uh, thanks for taking time to join us. And if you're coming in on Saturday, we hope you enjoy the trip to the big house. Yes, sir. I'll be there. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. Thanks to Edward Lewis from Aztec Sports Report for being our guest today. To see what Aztec fans have to say about their trip to the big house Saturday, visit www.aztecsportsreport.com. That's www.aztecsportsreport.com. Coming up next, Jeff Contizano from the Wolverine blog joins us on our Michigan Game Day segment here on the Michigan Man podcast on GBMW Go Blue Michigan Wolverine. Our guest on Michigan Game Day for the San Diego State game coming up this week is Jeff Contizano from the Wolverine blog. And Jeff, uh, the Aztecs roll into town after a big win Saturday night to go 3-0 and for the first time in 30 years. It was a big 42-24 victory at home against Washington State. Uh, quarterback Ryan Lindley described the victory as his best at San Diego State. This team is for real. They come in. Lindley, he's listed right now as one of the top three quarterbacks, possibly, in the next draft. And Ronnie Hillman is one of the top three rushers in Division One. This team is the real deal. Luckily, we have their old coaching staff, so there's going to be a certain level of familiarity. Otherwise, I'd be extremely worried about this game. I mean, like you said, they have... An NFL caliber quarterback, you know, he's 6'4", he's got a strong arm, he sees the field well. And Ronnie Hillman is probably, in my mind, one of the best running backs in the country. I mean, he's, you know, he's small. He's only about 5'10", 190 pounds. He has elite vision, and he can find holes and creases like no other back can. So I'm definitely nervous about facing off against those two. Well, Jeff, with the Aztecs coming in, uh, this is a huge test for the defense on Saturday. For the first time, we're going to see an offense, probably more so than the Notre Dame offense, that is very balanced and very efficient, throwing and running the ball, so they can attack us in a lot of different ways. This is when we're going to learn a lot more about our defense this year. Do you agree? You're spot on. I mean, right now, San Diego State's averaging just about 200 yards passing, 200 yards rushing game. So, like you said, they're about as close to balance as you can get. I mean, you've got Ryan Lindley, who is an NFL-caliber quarterback, who's going to he can make any throw on the field, so our defense always has to be watching him. But then you've got Ronnie Hillman in the backfield, who is a big play guy. He can take a 10-yard game and take it to the house. Whatever phase we're in, we need to be watching both of them. And they also have their receivers. They're pretty young, but they've actually started to come along. And 
The Aztecs do have a terrific tight end named Calvin Escobar, who's also a great player, so he's going to be one we need to watch out for. Yeah, and he's a big guy, too, over 6'8", well over 240 pounds, so he's going to be a challenge uh, across the middle. Definitely. Well, on the defensive side, probably the good news, if you've scouted uh, San Diego State this year, is that they have given up uh, chunks of running yardage. Really, their first solid performance was Saturday against Washington State, and that was in the second half when they forced some turnovers. So from an offensive perspective, this presents us with another opportunity to work on that power running game, we think. But this should be a game where uh, Michigan can move the football. San Diego State's defense is kind of like ours. They're, they're extremely opportunistic. I think they've already registered 13 turnovers, so we need to be watching out for that. But this is the time where we really need to let Denard loose because I don't think San Diego State has really seen a mobile quarterback. I mean, they play in a league where it's very – there are some spread offenses, but there's not a lot of ter- like really great mobile quarterbacks. So I think this will be a week that if the power running game stalls and Denard can't really do a lot with his arm, then we should really let him loose because, like you said, their defense is giving up upwards of 400 yards a game. So they're not going to really be able to limit – Michigan's offense much unless we shoot ourselves in the foot. Well, you know, Jeff, one of the things that uh, makes me think we can work on the power game this week is that the Aztecs are running that 3-3-5 defense, so teams are just trying to, uh, you know, power rush them. And, of course, we were in that 3-3-5 defense last year, so we know all about it. I would think that Coach Borges, knowing the system at San Diego State there, is still not giving up on the uh, pro-style offense. And I think Early will probably try to go out there and do what other teams have done to them in that 3-3-5 and test them out and run right at them. Their front three are very solid players, but I mean, like you said, there's only three of them. They're pretty undersized. They're pretty young in the back seven, too. So, I mean, this provides a huge opportunity for Michigan to really put a couple tight ends on the line, put a fullback back there, and really just pound them and see if they can move the ball. And I think they'll be able to because, like you said, they haven't really proven that they can stop anyone. So I think that's a a terrific chance to see some of the running backs try and shine. No, as a matter of fact, they haven't stopped anyone. And they uh, it's a very interesting defense, uh, not only the alignment, that 3-3, five defense but this is a team that blitzes roughly uh this is what they say roughly 80 percent of the time so if the power game isn't working it sure is going to open up a lot of lanes for denard oh definitely and when they blitz a lot of guys if we can if we can keep our pass protection solid that's going to be there's going to be wide open parts of the field for denard to run into and i mean if you take away the blitzing out of a 3-3-5 because you know, you're scared of a quarterback, that totally neutralizes the defense. You know, as we saw when we had the three three five, if you're not getting any pressure, you're you're dead in the water. So I mean they're gonna they're gonna blitz a lot and they're gonna blitz a lot early. Well Jeff, an, an interesting angle on this game to me anyway, of course, is it was on the schedule long before Coach Hoke uh, came here to Michigan. He spent the last two years at San Diego State and wouldn't you know it, here come the Aztecs uh, in two thousand eleven. We all know college football is an emotional game, and this is a good team. How much do you think that entire situation could impact this game on Saturday? You know, there will be emotion from, you know, the Aztec players because they didn't really know he was going to leave. And, you know, Hogue always said he didn't like to, you know, leave without saying goodbye. But he knows what he wants to do. He wants to win the football game. And I definitely think, you know, with all the coaches that Michigan brought from San Diego, they'll have a huge advantage in that department against them because, San Diego State really hasn't seen Michigan play at all this year. While they have all the film and player information they need, you know, there'll be a little motion pregame, but I think once the game gets going, they'll be fine. Well, Jeff, on the offensive side of the ball for Michigan this Saturday, keys to victory in your mind against San Diego State? I think this is what every Michigan fan wants to see is them staying drive, 
I mean, the, one of the first drives against Western Michigan, I think they went 15 plays for 75 yards. It took up about eight minutes. You know, if they could do that, that would work wonders in this game. But, I mean, they really just need to be consistent, you know, move the ball, keep the passing game pretty simple, you know, stretch the field once in a while. But just make get Denard and the running backs in the rhythm. You know, get a couple short passes out there and get him in the rhythm because he's just struggled so much with his rhythm. I think we need to somehow find a way to get him, you know, completing about 50% passes. On the uh, defensive side of the ball, again, a big challenge, probably the biggest challenge the Wolverine defense has faced so far this year. Looking at Ryan Lindley and Ronnie Hillman, what are the keys to uh, stopping or at least slowing down this offense? For me, you know, it's pick your poison. Do you want to try and limit the passing game or try and limit the running game? And, you know, when Greg Madison was hired, he said, you know, we're going to stop the run. So I think Michigan will try and load the box up early and, you know, dare Lindley to throw, which is probably not smart. But I think they really have to take Hillman out of the equation early because, if both of them are going, there's not going to be really easy way of stopping or slowing down San Diego State's offense. So I would definitely put stopping Hillman number one on the defensive chart for Saturday. Well, Jeff, it looks like both offenses are going to be able to put up some points Saturday. So uh, do you think this is going to be a game that's going to be tight right down to the wire? Yeah, I think it's going to be a pretty close game. I definitely think Michigan has the advantage just because they're so familiar with both teams now. But I do think just having Lindley and having Hillman on San Diego State's offense will give them a chance. I think it'll be close maybe until the third quarter. I think Michigan will be able to pull away if they're able to move the ball, which they should be. So. Well, one thing for certain, after Saturday, after week four, we are going to know a lot more about uh, Michigan and San Diego State as far as what to look forward to the rest of the year. Yeah, definitely. This is a big brown game for Michigan going to Big Ten play. We've beaten up on two mid-American teams that, you know, Western's okay, Eastern's not very good. San Diego State will be a bowl team this year. You know, they'll probably win, I think, seven or eight games. So this is this is a good barometer to see where Michigan's at, you know, heading into conference play the weekend after. Our guest on the show today has been Jeff Contezano from the Wolverine blog. And as always, Jeff, it's a pleasure having you on the show, and we look forward to getting you back later in the season. Thanks, Mike. Thanks for having me on. Thanks again to Jeff Contezano from the Wolverine blog for being our guest on Michigan Game Day. For great Michigan coverage all year long, follow Jeff at www.thewolverineblog.com. That's www.thewolverineblog.com. Coming up next, we'll wrap up today's show with notes from Coach Brady Hoke's press conference on Monday and get the latest injury updates heading into this week's big game with San Diego State. That's next on the Michigan Man Podcast here on GBMW. Go Blue, Michigan Wolverine. On Michigan Quick Hits today, a quick look at some notes from Coach Brady Hoke's presser on Monday. He says that Vincent Smith has earned a start at running back, and I don't think after Saturday's performance that anyone can argue with that. New NCAA rules mean that Rawls' redshirt is not completely burned yet, and I'm not sure about that because uh, Rawls played last week, but with the new rules, we'll just have to wait and see what Coach has in mind. Jeremy Gallon might get time as a kick returner, but not because Vincent Smith is slow. Coach Hoke tried getting Dave Brandon to buy out the SDSU game just after becoming head coach at Michigan, and of course, we know, that didn't work. Raymond Taylor played in nickel because Wolfolk got beat up a bit, but did not necessarily surpass Courtney Avery. And a reporter asked if uh, Raymond Taylor had the Desmond Howard patch on, and Coach Hoke said, no, he is not wearing the Desmond Howard patch. 
For a full transcript of Coach Brady Hoke's presser on Monday, visit www.mgoblue.com. That's www.mgoblue.com. Checking the injuries headed into Saturday's game, no one suffered an apparent injury during Saturday's Eastern game. Fifth-year senior linebacker Brandon Heron and redshirt sophomore linebacker Cam Gordon were on the dress list after missing last week's game. Cam is real close, and so is Heron. I would think they'll both be ready for this week's game with San Diego State, Coach Hoke said. Redshirt junior left guard Ricky Barnum did exit the game for a few plays, but not because of an injury. He lost his shoe. Redshirt sophomore Michael Schofield, who started at left guard in the season opener, stepped in for Barnum momentarily. So we are in pretty good shape injury-wise heading into this big game Saturday with San Diego State. Just a couple of other reminders before we leave you. Don't forget to become a member here at GBMW to enjoy all of the benefits of this exciting season. Visit www.gbmwolverine.com. Look for the membership sign-on in the upper right-hand corner. When you become a member, you receive daily email alerts each time a story is published or a mailbag question is answered. You also get full access to the message board. And a reminder, Iraq Wolverine wanted me to tell you that you need to re-register for full access to the message board. We have a new and improved message board. It's really cool, so go in there, get signed up again, and check it out. There you can post a new topic, participate in an ongoing topic, or just follow what other Wolverine fans have to say. There is also our popular Monday Night Live chat with E-Rock Wolverine, Coach BT, Maze Man, Doc for Blue, World's Wolverine, and Yostmeister. That's at 8 p.m. Eastern Time each Monday evening. The season is here, so join GBMW today and get your daily Maze in Blue fix of news and conversation. Then each Wednesday, you can listen to the Michigan Man podcast. Also a reminder to our podcast listeners, our phone lines are open 24-7. We would love to hear from you. Anything Maze in Blue, leave us an audio comment we can use on the show. The number is 313-263-4842. That's 313-263-4842. Or you can email us at themichiganmanpodcast at yahoo.com. That's themichiganmanpodcast at yahoo.com. Kickoff is just after 12 noon, and it should be an exciting game. San Diego State coming into town is the real deal, and this is the kind of game right now I'm thinking, any way we can get the victory, let's get it. It should be a barn burner. So let's enjoy it, and we'll be right back here next Wednesday to recap that game and look forward to the kickoff of the Big Ten season on October 1st when the Minnesota Golden Gophers pay a visit to the Big House. So until next Wednesday, I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick, saying enjoy the game, take care, and as always, go blue. Thanks for listening to the Michigan Man podcast on GBMW Go Blue Michigan Wolverine. You can find us on the web at www.gbmwolverine.com. That's www.gbmwolverine.com. For audio posts or other fan feedback, please call our listener line at 313-263-4842. That's 313-263-4842. Email fan feedback to the Michigan Man Podcast at yahoo.com. That's the Michigan Man Podcast at yahoo.com. The Michigan Man Podcast on GBMW Go Blue Michigan Wolverine is produced at the studios of Robin Lynn Productions, Allen Park, Michigan. The Michigan Man Podcast is not affiliated with the University of Michigan. Go Blue!
Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.